The Rookery Radio Hour proudly presents The Penniless Penny Dreadful, The Tale of Penelope's Dragon, written by Ian Custer, starring Ian Custer as Soliloquy Sam, the Tall Tales Man, Hoover Wind as Wet Bradley, Thomas Bell as Mayor Hooper, Jenna Edmonds as Penelope, Ken Diggs as Tennyson, Mark Farley as Claude, and Francis Chang as Marisol. Narration by Andrea D. and girls and screw up what's left of your meager courage because we're going behind the old abandoned Denny's on Peachtree Street to hear a soliloquy Sam, the tall tales man, spin us another one of his famous penniless penny dreadfuls. Oh, hello. I didn't notice you there. My name's Soliloquy Sam and I'm the tall tales man. Won't you come join me by my roaring back alley trash barrel fire? That soggy stack of day-old flapjacks is Wet Bradley. How'd you do? So named due to his perpetual dampness. In spite of his hanging around this here back alley trash bale fire alongside me most all the time. Yes siree, that's me. Well, being a man of ample free time and a propensity toward gab, I often find myself on nights like these huddled around the fire with Wet Bradley just a itching and a longing to tell a tall tale. I am the tall tales man after all. And I'm a toffee-colored bunny rabbit with dental floss for my hair. No, you're not, Wet Bradley. Oh, yes, I am, too. Wet Bradley, there is literally no empirical data to suggest that any part of your previous assertion has even the remotest of veracity. Yes, there is. Where's your evidence of being a toffee-colored bunny rabbit with dental floss for your hair? Says it all right here. I'm a license. Yep, you're license. License? Wet Bradley... This here's an old Blockbuster membership card with a lipstick smiley face drawn on the front. Yep. Toffee-flavored bunny rabbit. Dandle floss hair. Whatever you say, WB. Just to keep that trash barrel fire stoked. Yep. Our tale tonight is a real scary one. About a little girl's frightful discovery. And a town what doesn't believe her. Not even one bit. Until it's too late. Submitted for the approval of the Back Alley Trash Barrel Fire Society... I call this story the tale of Penelope's. Ah! Oh no! I've come aflame! Oh god! Ah! My scarf and my sleeves! My gloves! Oh god! Oh damn it! Oh hell! Okay, woof. I knew I shouldn't have sprinkled so much fire dust on this damn thing. Why'd you let me do it, Wet Bradley? I jeopardized both our safeties. So gave me, Sam. I don't mind being on fire. That's one of my specialties. I never melt. WB, I swear. Either you're the craziest man around, or you're some kind of secret Andy Kaufman-like genius pulling a big practical joke on me. Yep. <laughs> okay, well, let's try that again, but with less fire dust this time. Oh, man, I like the fire dust. I'm still using it, WB. Don't you never fret. <clears throat> Presented for the approval of the Back Alley Trash Barrel Fire Society, I call this story... The Tale of Penelope's Dragon. See that, WB? Enough fire dust to create intrigue, but not so much as to put anyone's life at risk? That's how it's done. Hmm. Our story begins in the small seaside village called Troutface. For those of you city folks what don't know what seaside means, it's like, imagine the sewage treatment pond was endless and full of fishes and waves, and you could swim in it on purpose 
without getting in trouble or Giardia. The mayor of Troutface was a big, stern-faced, round-bellied man named Elias Hooper. Mayor Hooper worked in the city hall, which doubled on weekends as the city's finest ballroom and was rented out to members of the community for special occasions, like birthdays, fish days, and fish birthdays. Mayor Hooper worked in the city hall day in and day out, from sun up to sundown without fail. Ugh, another request for plumbing pipes up in the hills. The elementary school is overrun with fiddler crabs. The old folks' home is asking for books for their book drive. The fire department wants baked goods for their bake sale. And the scouts need shiny pebbles for their shiny pebble fundraiser. Sheesh, it's like this mayor job never ends. Elias Hooper worked very hard at his mayor job. And he was a great mayor. But he was also a father. Penelope Hooper, who had just turned 12, was raised by a family of singing mice what lived in the floorboards of her bedroom. Which, apart from being completely untrue, is a nice and Disney-fied way of saying that Penelope was a latchkey kid. Being bereft of any brothers, sisters, cousins, neighbor kids, or real pets, Penelope Hooper spent her long summer days running through the wooded hills what surrounded Troutface. She'd play outside her and her ratty old stuffed toy bear named Tennyson, imagining herself a princess or a fighter pilot or a space explorer. She'd make Tennyson be her butler or her Russian MiG enemy pilot or a fellow astronaut who struggles to retain his sanity in the vast, gaping maw of black and endless space. Come on, first meet Tennyson. This deep ocean floor isn't going to explore itself. Unfound it, Miss Penelope. I am trying as best as I can, but my stuffed interior is getting waterlogged. Stow the quitter talk, sailor. Light those flares and drop him down that ocean ravine. Penelope had been playing Deep Sea Explorer for so long, and she deep-sea explored so far and so wide that she'd crossed half a trout face with a fishbowl on her head, dragging Tennyson by the arm and snapping twigs in half for pretend flares. She edged her way closer and closer to the dark parts of the forest, where no one in trout face goes to. Closer to the mysterious cave, what where weird sounds is always coming out from. Where light just seems to have forgotten to exist. What's that ahead, Tennyson? A deep-sea cave? Oh, Penelope... We ought not to go into that cave as explorers or as a delusional little girl in her inanimate stuffed bear. Nonsense! We'll forge ahead! The sun going down behind her, dragging Tennyson alongside herself, Penelope straightened her fishbowl and stepped into the pitch-black, echoing cave. This is Lieutenant Commander Penelope Hooper of Her Majesty's Royal Undersea Expeditionary Force. Don't forget to announce me, ma'am. And this is First Mate Tennyson, my stuffed bear. And we are here to... You are here to be my supper! <laughs> At the mention of that unpleasant idea, Penelope scooped a bear up and ran as fast as she could back home. She'd found a genuine, in-the-flesh, real-life dragon-type monster. The run took the edge off her adrenaline, and once she'd caught her breath safely at home, she was more excited than scared. Oh, think of a Tennyson, a real-life dragon, living in a cave right here in Troutface. I think you should tell an adult, in case the dragon is dangerous. I'd hate for anyone I know to get eaten for supper. What do you know, Tennyson? You're not even real. Oh. I'm kidding, Tennyson. You know me. I don't want to get eaten for supper. I'll tell Dad about the cave and the dragon as soon as he gets home from work. So Penelope waited, and she waited. And she waited. The mailman, who always came at 4 p.m. sharp, delivered a few letters. 
The 6 p.m. news on the radio came and went. Penelope warmed up some leftovers for her supper and got a peanut butter cookie from the pantry for Tennyson. Finally, as Penelope was about to fall asleep, her father walked in through the front door. Dad! 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 Yes, my oh-so-very-excitable daughter, what is it? Okay, Dad, you know how me and Tennyson... Tennyson and I... Tennyson and I, okay, you know how Tennyson and I sometimes go out and play together all day on account that you're always so busy at work and I don't have any friends around to play with? Yes, dear. Well, today we was playing... We were playing. We were playing in the forest, pretending to be deep-sea explorers on a mission from Her Royal Majesty's Undersea Expeditionary Force. You know how I love the ocean. Yes, dear. Well... We'd explored all the Sargasso Seas had to author, and that's what we call the meadow on the other side of the schoolyard. So we went deeper into the woods. Yes, dear. And we went past the old mill. Yes, dear. And then we climbed the barbed wire fence that separates trout phase from unincorporated trout phase. You know, in between the sand pit and old man Jefferson's weird hermit shack. Yes, dear. Well, we came to a part of the forest that I didn't recognize, and Tennyson said we should definitely explore further on. No, I didn't. So we did, and you know what we found? What, dear? A cave. That's nice, dear. A real-life, super-dark, spooky old cave. And I trust you had the good sense to stay well away from it. No way! I mean, Tennyson thought... I thought we should stay as far away as possible. Tennyson thought we should go in, you know, in the name of Her Royal Majesty. So we did, and we met a dragon. Well, we didn't meet it per se, but we were threatened by it. Penelope, Meriwether, Gertrude Hooper, you were to stay away from caves. But, Dad, this cave had a dragon in it, a mean, scary dragon that wanted to eat me and Tennyson. Tennyson and me. I wanted to eat Tennyson and me for supper. Penelope, dear... I want you to promise to stay away from that cave. Caves are inherently dangerous places. You can't see where you're going. There are rocks and pits and all sorts of things you could trip up on. And terrifying dragons. Yes, and bats. Bats are potential vectors for disease, and I don't want you to bring any diseases into the house. But, Dad... No buts, Missy. Now promise you won't go back into that cave. But... Promise? I... promise. You don't mean that. And she didn't mean it. You see, in keeping with the time-honored traditions of young folks such as herself, Penelope had intentionally, and with full knowledge of the repercussions, crossed her pointer and middle fingers on top of one another, thereby nullifying any promise which had been made while her hand was in such a position. In fact, Penelope so didn't mean the promise she made to her dad, the mayor, the very next day, she and Tennyson were standing in front of that spooky old cave again. Only this time, they brought... Sandwiches! Hey, ugly old man, stinky dragon! It's Penelope and Tennyson from yesterday. We brought you some sandwiches. Oh, I do hope they bury me in my dress uniform. <laughs> Come on out, unless you're too chicken. Ha! Welcome back, supper. Why don't you and your little bear friend step into the darkness and meet your horrific fates? No way! You're a mean dragon, and you'll eat us without even trying these delicious sandwiches. And then the sandwiches will just sit out here until they spoil, and then nobody can enjoy the sandwiches. Penelope, ma'am, let's be on our way. This dragon clearly doesn't... Uh, did, did you just call me a dragon? Did you just... Did you just understand my heretofore Hobbes-esque speech? Yes. Yes, I did. 
You're Tennyson, and that's Penelope. And I'm Claude. And I'm not a dragon. Claude? Not a dragon? Well then, Claude, what are you that you're so sure you can eat us? I'm a... Well, the medieval histories called me a worm. Ma'am, it is my understanding that worm is just another name for dragon. Nuh-uh, you floppy know-it-all. Let me ask you something. When you think dragon, what comes to mind? Fire! Wings! Big scaly plates covering your body. Horns! Not an old Claude here. I've got teeth, sure, and I love treasure. Who doesn't? But for all intents and purposes, I'm just an overgrown talking snake. Well, if you're not a dragon, why won't you come out and eat these sandwiches? Honestly? No one's ever offered me sandwiches before. Usually I threaten people and they run away and I get to stay in here with my treasure, eating bats. Bats are often vectors of disease, Mr. Claude. <laughs> Don't I know it. I've got indigestion pretty much all the time. Well, Claude, why don't you just go ahead and try these sandwiches? Really? These are for me? One is for Miss Penelope. Okay, yeah. Thanks, Penelope, and thanks, Tennyson. So Penelope befriended this previously terrifying creature, and little by little she coaxed Claude the Worm into leaving the scary darkness of his cave and coming out to play in the forest with her and Tennyson. Claude had been so lonely, and bats had given him such indigestion, and he loved Penelope and Tennyson's daily visits. This is Lance Corporal Claude calling Tree Climber Penelope. What's your status, tree climber, Penelope? Everything's clear from the treetops, Lance Corporal. Sergeant Tennyson, what's the situation over by that babbling brook? Babbling away, ma'am. <laughs> they played every single day that summer, until Penelope had to go back to school. Then she stopped coming by to see Claude every day. Her father made her do homework and read books until lights out, and Penelope had forgotten to cross her fingers when making the promise to not sneak out of the house at night so she and Claude could only play together on the weekends. Penelope would bring a big, huge basket of sandwiches, enough to last Claude the whole week, and they'd talk about what they'd done during the week before, and they'd play pretend, Tennyson worry-warting over the whole time, saying things like, Watch out for fire ants. And, Those are poison mushrooms, ma'am. I know, Tennyson, we're not really eating them. We pretend eating them. <laughs> <laughs> Until one day, late in October, Penelope showed up at Claude's cave with her usual basket of sandwiches and something else. Oh, no, Penelope! What happened to your eye? She's been very quiet since Thursday, Claude. She really hasn't been her usual ebullient self at all. Penelope, you can tell me about it, if you want. Oh, Claude, it's this bully at my school. Her name is Marisol, and she's bigger than me, and when I told her to stop picking on all the little kids during gym class, she slugged me right in the face! Oh. Miss Penelope, I had no idea why that overgrown, snot-faced, jerk-breath, idiot head, a-hole! Oh, guys! Come on, I know Marisol is the worst, but don't swear. Not even a near swear. We can't stoop to her level. Penelope, her level is picking on little kids and punching you in the face. Claude's right, Mom. This Marisol is bad news. Yeah, but 
What can we do about it? For the benefit of the listening audience, I want to relate to you the following series of significant facial expressions that played out. First, Claude looked at Tennyson. Then, Tennyson met Claude's look. Then, they kind of half-smiled, like when a baby farts. Like something... <laughs> it's not funny, but it's satisfying. Then, they both looked at Penelope with that baby fart smiley face. And then Penelope's face was all like, what are you guys thinking about? And then it turned into, oh, no, I know what y'all are thinking about. And then it was panic. And then she made that same baby fart smiley face. <laughs> Sometime later that week... Right this way, Marisol. I told you I'd get you all the Tiger Beat magazines and fiddle faddle you could carry home. Someone must have been using this cave as some kind of Tiger Beat magazine and fiddle faddle storage space. Okay, Hooper. But if you're trying to trick me or scare me with this dark, spooky cave, I'm going to punch you in the face so hard, your face's face will have a bruise. Poor, stupid idiot. What was that? Nothing, nothing. Just go all the way to the back and grab the stuff. Okay. I'm inside the cave. I don't see any Tiger Beat magazines or fiddle faddle. Hooper, did you trick me? Wait, there's something... It looks like glowing eyes. Did you set up some kind of fake glowing eyes thing? Nope! That's Claude! And I forgot to bring sandwiches this week! Claude? What's a Claude? Claude? You know what, guys? After trying all these, I'd have to say of these three, sandwiches are most delicious. Followed by bullies and then bats. Really, bats are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and no one ever asked about Marisol again, because they were all just so happy that she never showed up again. <laughs> ain't, ain't bullies the very, very worst, Wet Bradley? I don't know, Sam. That's an awful way for a kid to go. I mean... What about Marisol's circumstance? Maybe she didn't know any better, but eaten by some kind of snake monster? Makes my toffee-flavored rabbit skin just crawl. Oh, no need to be so frightened, WB. After all, it's just a tall tale. Everybody wave goodbye to Soliloquy Sam, the tall tales man. We'll come visit him again next time, behind the old abandoned Denny's on Peachtree Street, for another one of his famous penniless The Rookery Radio Hour presents The Penniless Penny Dreadful, The Tale of Penelope's Dragon. Sound design and audio engineering by Simon Karen. Podcast produced by Simon Karen and Ken Diggs. The Rookery Radio Hour is directed by Ian Custer. Check Facebook and Twitter for live show dates, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. See you next time.